This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Be good to people, animals and the environment and they'll treat you well. That's the motto of the dairy farm I visited for our feature story this week. Its shareholders have backgrounds in dairying, but also earth-moving, science, accounting and farm consulting. All handy skills for building a wetland on the farm. Kia ora, I'm Aidan Bicken. I'm a uh, first-generation dairy farmer. I, I grew up in uh, Cannons Creek in Porirua, uh, went to Massey, did an ag degree and uh, have ended up uh, being a uh, shareholder and uh, director of Kaiwaiwai Dairies in the South Wairapa. Uh, my passion is around developing people uh, and, and improving and developing and encouraging the environment and, and those who operate in it. Kaiwaiwai Dairies milks 900 cows on 325 hectares, supplying milk through the year. But it's the on-farm environmental projects which set this farm apart. They're not only harvesting milk here, but also solar energy to power a lot of the operation. They're saving water and cleaning up after themselves. Today, we're checking out a corner of the property which acts as a kind of scrubbing brush. So how big is this area of wetland, So, you have, so there's about half a hectare of water um, in there, and it's a bit hard to describe on uh, radio just what we're looking at here, but if you can imagine a, a whole series of S-curves that have been squashed up, uh, there's 12 of those through the wetland, so from the inlet at the, uh, the, the northern end to the outlet here, uh, it goes back and forward 12 times. It's piped from the farm drainage system that, that drains probably 200 hectares of the Battersea area. Flows at somewhere around 30 to 60 litres of water per second flowing through, so it's quite a big drain. We've just tapped into that, fed that water through the wetland, drop it back out into, a, into the drain, basically, and then that heads off down into um, the Wairapa Moana. What this is aimed to do was to take nitrates out of the water. Cow urine, fertiliser and plants all contribute to the nitrate load. Too much in the waterways jeopardises the environment and human health. Once it was in and established, we monitored the inlet and the outlet every month for, I think, six, six or seven years. And we know that it's taking out somewhere between half and three quarters of a tonne of nitrate out of the water every year. We've got a relatively low nitrate loss uh, per hectare, somewhere between 15 and 17 kilos of N per hectare. Uh, part of the reason for that and, and the reason for our interest in the wetland is because we've got a pan under most of the farm, we don't lose 
nutrient into groundwater. It doesn't go down, it tends to go sideways. If it goes sideways, it ends up in a drain. If it ends up in a drain, we can put it through a wetland and scrub it or, or polish it. And, and that's what this was basically demonstrated to do. So this was funded um, partially through the um, government's kickstart for, for fresh water in about 2014 or 15. Um, we designed the wetland uh, with the help of people like uh, Greater Wellington, uh, Niwa, I think the Cawthron Institute may have had a hand in there somewhere as well, um, and a company called Ground Truth. So it's a decade old now? Yes, yes, this is its uh, ninth Shall we wander through season. a little bit closer? So this, this is the outlet, and um, you, you always need a little bit of Kiwi ingenuity. The bay is six metres wide, it's 300 mils deep because the, uh, the experts from Niwa said we need to be between about 200 and 500 in depth so that we get the proper processes and we don't produce methane, we produce nitrogen gas. Sitting in under here under this outlet is a, uh, a 200 litre drum that's uh, been cut in half, filled with rocks and sunk to the bottom so that gives us our height uh, control and then just a pipe out of the bottom of that that goes back out into the drain. And we've got some electronic technology on the outlet just so we know that it's flowing. And um, the original we, we planted with uh, Raupu, so that's what we've got in here is um, bulrush, but we also planted giant club rush, uh, but we found that that clogged up the waterway and we had to remove it all after about five or six years. And we also put in cutty grass but we raised the water level a bit quickly and the cutty grass all drowned. So we've got Raupu in here and a bit of club brush. And that just helps filter the water. The way the process works is the bacteria in the water use carbon and nitrogen. Um, so the carbon comes from either the bulrush stems and breaking down material or from the peat soil that this is built in and they use the carbon and then they grab the nitrogen out of the water and that creates the microbial proteins and bacterial uh, processes and produces nitrogen gas as well. So that's how the water, uh, the nitrate comes out of the water through that process. I'm not a, not a chemist, so don't hold me to the exact details. So this is the exit for the wetland. Could you drink that water? I, I'd quite happily drink that. As, um, really? As, uh, yeah, perhaps my constitution might not be quite used to chlorinated town water, but uh, is it still potentially got E. coli? You know, there's wildlife living in our wetland and things as well. So, no, you, know, no, you probably shouldn't drink it there, but we know that there's a lot less nitrate in there. Um, at times, this time of year, once the temperature's above about 10 or 11 degrees, we're taking out 95 to 99% of the nitrate that comes through. In winter, when the temperature's um, getting below 10, it still takes half the nitrate out. So it is quite temperature dependent for the processes, for the bacteria. But, um, you know, that's nice clean water. Um, in there we've got a bit of technology here. Um, yes, on, the, on this that. pole just above the drain, 
the outlet here is, uh, is that a solar panel? Yes, so um, it's part of our harvest um, technology that we use for monitoring. So we've got, I think, probably around 100 different data feeds from the farm. So we've got weather stations, soil moisture, uh, we measure all our water pumping so we know how much we use in the shed. We can see instantly if there's leaks on the farm instantly overnight uh, in there. Uh, we measure the flow uh, or the, the, the depth of flow and the conductivity in the wetland. Um, what else have we got? Uh, effluents managed, irrigations all managed. And, and we're a little bit around that sort of what you can't measure, you can't manage. The banks of the wetland are now thick with vegetation. So this block of trees in here... Um, and this is some natives that are over our heads now. Yes, so these were planted in 2019. In fact, in November 2019, um, the farm was a Fonterra open gates host for the three years the programme ran, and we had 400 trees donated through that. And um, how better to get them planted than to get the public doing it. <laughs> uh, we had 680 uh, people came in, predominantly from Wellington. Um, in there, uh, that particular year, we had 10 mils of rain during the course of the day. And I think the best memory I had. Um, but yeah, so these things here, so some of these trees now, yeah, they are manukas here, they're um, a good, uh, probably getting up to two and a half to three metres in height. Looking very healthy. Very healthy, very pleased with this stand. So all we put into this... Um, we wander past bends in the channels, leaving behind the outlet and head towards where the water comes in. One of the things I'd, I'd thought about in here was, could we grow watercress in here and then perhaps every month we could harvest a bay on a 12-month rotation? Um, and there, but um, again, uh, we haven't quite got there. We've got cow parsley instead. Not quite as tasty. Not as good, no, a bit bitter. Um, and there. So the inlet here is um, from the north, there's about 200 metres of pipe that come through to the tanks here. Um, we measure this. The original design was to put 10 litres per second of water into the wetland. Um, we upped that to 14 litres a second when we discovered that we are taking all the nitrate out. And we've got a vision of trying to double that again and get that up to either 20 or maybe even 28 litres a second. So this is um, Kiwi Ingenuity. Again, it involves a couple of 200-litre uh, plastic drums uh, that have been cut to capture the water flow. And if we open the lid... Um, here, um, you can see we used to have a resident kura in here, but um, perhaps one of the resident eels have found him. <laughs> in this um, drum? Yes, he lived at the bottom in here. I'm interested to know how a cray uh, freshwater crayfish, a kura, would want to live in the dirtiest part of the wetland. Um, well, I think the drain is not that, you know, it's nutrient rich, but it doesn't have a lot of sediment coming through on that side of it. And, and it's, there's a there's a be a fair volume of food actually comes through there. He'd be living in the still water in the bottom of the drum where that food would settle out. So I, I, he was quite big in there. But um, it, there's three ways he could have come in or out. He can, could have come in from the wetland. We've definitely got kura and uh, tuna in there. Uh, it could have come from the drain 
that we poke the water, or he could have actually possibly come in from the outlet, uh, the overflow, but, uh, but probably he came from the drain originally. Any other wildlife in here? Well, there's plenty of ducks. We've had um, the Australasian um, harrier um, nesting in the raupu uh, in there and fledging chicks uh, over time. Um, Pukekos, shell ducks, ducks. But we did a bio-blitz with several of the local schools, with the Enviro Schools programme, and we had uh, regional council, um, Greater Wellington staff, we had DOC, and spent a half a day in here, and they identified all the species in the wetland, in the pastures around it. Just standing here, you, know, you look, we've got all the natives plantings in the bank, we've got cuddy grass in here, we've obviously got cow pasture, you've got all your pasture species, um, rye grasses and uh, tall fescue, coxfoot, clover, dandelions, uh, uh, stinging nettle, uh, shepherd's purse, what else can I see here? Your Buttercup. dairy cows would definitely have a field day if they came in here, wouldn't yeah, they? No, they're not, they, uh, they, uh, they're not allowed in the gate. The farm team don't do anything in the wetland, that's the owner's sort of patch um, in there, which is just, yeah, this isn't part of the farm, this is... You will, you know, it's an environmental hobby. And what's your motivation for this, Aidan? This is about um, being a role model. Wetlands have got a, a real place on on any farm, but you know, on dairy farms, f to do this sort of thing is to polish the water before it leaves the farm. So at the bottom of the catchment, at the bottom of the farm, is this may be something that can can help. And definitely, we've demonstrated that it. It works and it does help. Um, this was a lot more expensive to build because the plantings. If we didn't put, plant the banks, so we just built the wetland, this was about $27,000, but it probably wasn't even that much to establish the wetland, plus the value of the land. So there's three quarters of a hectare of land that that was perfectly good pasture prior to the wetland going in. Um, and the, but um, it's about being a role model, it's about doing the right thing. This has got a great biodiversity value, it's got a great demonstration value, it's a good talking point that, um, you know, here's an opportunity to other farmers. And so I get phone calls from you know, Canterbury, I've had them from Northland, the Waikato, saying, hey, what have you guys done? What can we learn from that? What can we pick up? And what do you tell them? What are your tips? Well, design is... Um, we went through four or five designs before we came up with this iteration. Um, and, and they range from a big swimming pool through to little wee skinny channels that were miles long. But one of our... Another partner is a, um, an earth-moving contractor, so he understood the, the issues around dirt. And basically, the channels are, are six metres wide because that's the wood that a digger can drive down and clean out and put the fill, the spill up onto the banks. Um, three metres of bank was enough to hold that spill. And the, uh, so it was really efficient to build from a machine point of view. It's efficient from, there's uh, I think 720 or 800 odd metres of channel in here, in half a hectare or three quarters of a hectare. So it's, it's more than half water. In there, so very efficient design, and you know, talk to lots of people, go and look at what people are doing. So, we host a lot of visitors through here as well, and then just get out there and do it. You know, have a go. Um, in there, you know, half a hectare in the bottom corner of your farm is um, you know, makes everything better. And yeah, this is a great place to come and sit. We'll, we'll head over under the kakatiya and um, have a look, but 
That's a nice place. When we started this, we didn't really know what it was going to do or how it was going to work. It worked from day one because we built in a peat soil. Uh, there's another another constructed wetland around the road a wee bit in a different soil type. And that's taken several years to build up enough organic matter from the plantings. So that's taken a while to get enough carbon into the system for the bacteria to then extract the nitrate. This might be a little bit slippery underneath with the... Uh... We take a track onto one of the peninsulas on a bend in the wetland, where the trees are firmly established and seedlings are popping up voluntarily. As we walk, Aidan tells me the market's sending clear messages to farmers about the need for such kaitiakitanga. But he says it's about future generations too. I, I want to leave this in a better place for our children and, and grandchildren um, uh, in there. I, I want to get our story out there that um, actually farmers are not the evil people that some quarters would perhaps like to present uh, in there. So a bit of a pushback on some of that rhetoric. And I think also is... Um, you know, is, is make sure that there's science at the table as well, not just emotion. Um, you know, our licence to farm is at the end of it is, is probably governed by emotion and some organisations are very good at um, you know, putting unpleasant photos in um, the national media in the UK about some of our farming practices in there. So we just want to make sure we get some of the other side of that story out as well. And I don't think the general public actually believes that farmers are bad, they just don't get the opportunity to have that conversation and if we can provide a bit of that, that's good. Aidan Bicken of Kaiwaiwai Dairies in South Wairarapa on the wetland at the bottom of the farm. Look out for some of the open days and walking tours they host every so often. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.